What up, what up, what up? We are back with yet another episode of the Dynasty Don. I am joined today with one of my favorite people in the industry, an IDP guru at Michael Sicoli is with me. We're going to be talking some IDP today and talking some dynasty values and trying to expand your knowledge of the fantasy verse. But before we get too far into it, let's drop the beat. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. Like, share, subscribe, click that bell for the noties, and make sure you download the app. It's all love here at the Dynasty Dawn Podcast. Again, I'm joined with Michael Sicoli, um, one of my favorite people in the industry. I was lucky enough to meet Michael in person at the expo for the first time and where we hit off a lot of our game theories about IDP and kind of part of the problem with getting it out to the public is, you know, a lot to do with the scoring system and the chaos of defense in general. And so we're going to cover all of those things today. We're going to talk about some different scoring settings that you can implement in your IDP leagues that will give you, you know, kind of more of a feel like these players aren't just you know, stashes that give you an extra 10 points per week, but can be real fantasy game changers. Um, even guys that, you know, you should go out and target in, in the first round. Um, so we'll talk about some of those scoring settings. We'll obviously talk about some of the rookies, some of the players coming in, but I would be amiss, remiss if I didn't introduce my boy properly. He's at WSN Sports with NFL betting tips, at IDP Guys Newsletter, at Club Fantasy FFL. He's also at WTNH Assignment Desk, and he's the EIC of the QU Chronicle. The man is a jack of all trades. He does news and weather as well. What up, Mike? How's it going, brother? Oh, it is a blast to be here. I'm 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 warmed up enough just from the the intro drop. I, I my head was bopping the entire time. Nobody can see it, but I I've been doing a whole jig for the last minute. So yeah, I'm ready to go, man. Ready to go. Oh man, I'm so pumped to have you here, T Timbo with the Timbo the truth with the beat drop as always. It's a nice way to get us started and fired up. Um, I'm gonna let, let's let's break the ice a little bit. So like, you and I have waxed poetic and and talked for. I mean, we talked for a good two hours or more at, at the expo on, on um, yeah. yeah at the hall of fame field we were talking about you know our love for idp fantasy and both sides of the ball but i want you to kind of like break the ice for our listeners and viewers and give them a little insight as to what you love so much about the idp format and how newcomers can kind of familiarize themselves with it sure and i think a lot of it comes down to the same joy that all of us felt when we first started playing fantasy football right when we first started finding those guys that were giving us our points we built our connection to the for the younger people right now, the Justin Jefferson of the world built them to the Julio Joneses, the Arian Fosters, the Todd Gurleys. And IDP is just the same side of that. You build those same connections of it's it's a it's a joy to watch Nick Boso go out every single week. And we like big hits in football. Why not get rewarded for it with fantasy football? So there's a lot of things that we enjoy about the NFL that we could enjoy in fantasy football as well. But just because IDP is a little bit stranger and a little bit non-mainstream to people that just in an exposed. So I think what I really enjoyed and what I came around to with it was refinding that same joy I had in middle school when I was playing fancy football and all of a sudden finding players that I wasn't paying attention to before that all of a sudden I care about now. And also Zayvon Collins is a household name in my college dorm <laughs> because he didn't hit his over on one week, but it's still fun. It's still fun. 
Absolutely, man. And I, I'll backpack on all of that and, and reiterate a little bit as well. Like it's it it really gave me a new love for fantasy football. And, and as somebody that obviously started playing for long enough and, and so often that you're re- creating like these high exposure portfolios where I'm playing in like 20, 25 leagues, I need a bit of variance and I need a little bit of that extra investment, that like rebirth of the love that I had for fantasy football. And Again, like I'm a big fan of playing Madden. I like I like simulators. I, I like the, you know, even the mobile simulator games that you can get, like Pocket GM and stuff. Like I'm a huge fan of that. So fantasy football and, and is obviously focusing on the offensive side has only ever given me half of that buzz, right? Like I still like building the 99 overall defense, so to speak, and like, you know, working the contracts and the caps and stuff like that. So playing in IDP dynasty specifically has really given me that extra boost and that like real simulation manager feeling, but it's obviously controlled in real life. And it is controlled by real life superstars and athletes that again, like, as you said, you really develop a connection to, I'm a fan of all players in the NFL. Like I I'm a really big fan of Hassan Reddick, um, for obviously very obvious reasons, <laughs> like <Yeah>. an absolute <laughs> stud, but I've always been a big fan of both Marshawn Lattimore is my favorite singular player in the NFL, a big Saints Shocker. Fan. So playing in the, you know, playing IDP kind of really opens that up. And, and that has been a big part of why I wanted to bring this to the forefront of our listeners is it really does kind of reignite that initial feeling that you had when you first picked up a Madden game or when you first joined your fantasy football league or that first redraft home league that you were in and you got that discount on Todd Gurley in the seventh round because everybody was sleeping on him. Like you get those, all of those feelings back as firsts again. And I think that's really overlooked. Go, go, go. No, yeah, you you go. <laughs> okay, okay, uh, yeah, no, but even um, to jump on that, the people that take Isaiah Pacheco last year, the people that had Isaiah Pacheco and they took him in the last round of the draft, they picked him up, they stashed him all year, and they got something out of it. That felt incredible. IDP is just doubling the player pool to pull from there. And the re- I I want to jump in because one of my guys that I don't know if it's going to happen anymore, but Carl Granderson of the Saints. I have been. I was so excited about this entire all season. Then all of a sudden, the Saints go out and draft seven thousand defensive linemen. But <laughs> I'm still. I, I like that's some someone that nobody will know. That's a sub one percent of NFL fans probably know, and that's like a one percent of Saints fans that know it. So yeah. it's it just doubles the randomness of the players that hey they stepped up in those random spots that we didn't appreciate unless we were playing fancy football. Absolutely, man. And like you know we. With all of that in mind, and too, like one of the things that you and I have exhausted our senses over is ingratiating and kind of bringing that like set standard or, or at least a more exciting kind of like scoring format, so to speak. Much like, like we have, you know, again, with those, you get into high exposure, you start playing more than just redraft or more than one league at a time. You're playing half PPR, full PPR, tight end premium, right? Super flex, giving you a lot of flexibility and option with these different scoring systems, but they're basically all set around the same standard, right? 0.01 yards, one point or half a point per reception, like six points per touchdown. And I've yet to really, now there are some good ones, of course, but I've yet to really find like that almost standardized IDP scoring system. And I think that can like shy a lot of people away. Um, Again, as almost like we talked at the top of the hour, like, a lot of times people will set these scoring settings up based on just like sleeper default or ESPN default and leaving these 
incredible players like TJ Watt to average 12 to 15 points a game. Where with a more a better understanding of how these scoring settings should play out, you know, TJ Watt was more valuable than Cooper Cup in 2021. So yeah. things of like things of that nature and and you know, kind of like with that in mind, what what is like one of the most comfortable or easy, I guess, to initiate settings that you have found, or at least like some point point scoring totals to get the viewers kind of understanding how you can really provide fun with IDP. I think the scoring formats is it's such an interesting point. It's something that gets brought up in IDP Twitter every single day and then another time that day. So it's it's something that yes, I, I do think it's a little bit it could be scary for some people to not know what the locked in format is, but as a rule of thumb, sacks are valuable are very valuable and tackles are very valuable as your consistent ones to view you tackles like your rushing carries or your running back. That is your baseline. So to speak, you get that. Right. And if you, you sacks are your touchdowns, you know, and it depends on your scoring format, whether, you know, your sacks are crazy valuable at like six points or if they're not that valuable at three, but that's the difference of PPR and standard, you know? And I, I think as, as more people play IDP, we'll find a, a consensus that we all like, but Ultimately, when you talk about IDP, when you hear rankings, the rule of thumb is that standard thing is tackles are valuable. Tackles are great. That's what we're looking for. And when you still have that baseline, I think it gets a little bit over talked about about the splits, so to speak, about. Yeah, there's all these different options, but that just allows it to be more fun. You get to customize a little bit more like you're one guy getting the interception. That's difficult as hell. And all of a sudden, that is a huge splash play for you if you're scoring formats that, that way. So I don't know. It, I, I think it allows for a lot more flexibility. And for the people that really want more out of football, you know, that's what it gives you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you kind of touched on something in that spiel that I wanted to bring up as well as like I I feel like the general public thinks that defense is simply like too chaotic to allow you know, congruent value and sticky stats. And like, especially obviously when you're talking dynasty, you don't want so much chaos when you're investing in these players because you want them to be. But when you look at, as you said, like sacks are like your touchdowns. And if you have them around like a four to five point um, give out, then you really do start to see these incredible, these players are fantasy game changers. And and you look at them almost in the same vein as you should touchdowns. If Cooper Cup or, or whoever it may be, but let's just use Cooper for a name, has a 15 touchdown season, that is going to make him one of the top fantasy producers automatically without all of the peripheral stats added. You can The same thing can be said for when TJ Watt has a 15 sack season, right? Like it, it is finding that scoring setting might feel a little intimidating to some people, but you do really just, you kind of have to have a bit of an understanding of, of what is value and, and what happens more often. So yeah, 130 tackles per season. Isn't that crazy for an LB one. Um, so you don't want to give those one tackle being five points, like more so uh, as like you said, that's, that's your one yard, that's your rush attempt. That's, and that's where you find your baseline value. So one of the scoring systems that I really enjoyed and I wanted to bring up is it's kind of, it's not necessarily standard, um, but it gives that, that value to these IDP players where you really start to see um, them be equal to say a wide receiver one or an RB one. And just to break it down quickly, it's like a solo tackle would be 1.4 fantasy points, an assisted tackle around 0.5, tackle for loss is two, 
a QB hit 0.05 and a sack 4.5. That would make a sack equal exactly six points. Um, IDP linebackers would be valued equivalently to wide receivers and interceptions around that 10 point range, which seems kind of crazy, but you're like, if a player peaks and leads the league in interceptions with five, <laughs> then 10 points per interception isn't that crazy. And I think that's a really, really good um, scoring setting and not to run a little long on you, but when you're doing scoring settings like that, when it is, you know, you're heavily, um, valuing sacks because they happen rarely heavily valuing turnovers because they happen rarely. Same with fumble recoveries, forced fumbles and the, the solo tackles and assisted tackles kind of work out to the PPR, the one point per, um, you get in 2021, TJ Watt had 317, Cooper Cup 367. So that would be roughly 15 spots of ADP in a startup draft. Um, Foyce Alaquan, who was the LB1, 281, Debo Samuel ahead of him with just nine PPR points. Darius Leonard, 255, Devontae Adams, 282. So you like, and you're seeing these guys are going in the first round. So that's, that's a good scoring setting. And obviously, as you said, there's so much fun and variance and you can, you know, change however you wish and however you want to value these players. If you want to build your offense first and have them just, you can choose that. But I think ignoring that side of fantasy completely, you're doing yourself a disservice for sure. Yeah, completely agree. And I think what you touched on perfectly was the the flexibility that IDP brings you of there's so many different ways that you could build your team. If you want to go for that home run, if your league awards 10 points interception, I'm more open to have a Trayvon Diggs on my team because his right. floor, it's low. His floor is low. He could have two tackles on a week and that could be a stat line. Maybe he gets a pass defense to help me out. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't get that pick, you know, that's, that's the boom bust nature that we deal with the offensive side all the time with the big play wide receivers so that's i i like having that being applied as well and same goes for guys that are sacks of i don't know james houston you know a guy that broke out at the end of last year and all of a sudden was getting sack after sack after sack that's a reward and that's somebody who made a positive impact on his real life nfl team so translating that to your fantasy team and your fantasy production i i think it's the only way to really play fantasy as accurately as some people want it to be and sure not every idp stat is going to be indicative of team success shout out Rashawn Evans being a 170 plus tackle guy and now not being rostered on an NFL team right now um so it, it's not always perfect but it's not always perfect and and on the offensive side either we have a Mark Ingram getting 11 touchdowns one year with the Ravens not really doing much else and then fading out immediately because that's all he was he was a touchdown guy so right yeah there's a lot of uh I, I it just adds another the other half of football and listen, we all enjoy football. So just add more to it. And I, I think you nailed something that's really important and kind of makes my transition life super easy. Um, and, and that's that, that randomness, that, that chaos of value. Like you, you do start to see age cliffs with running backs around 28 and stuff. And, and obviously you're going to see, you know, guys like Rashawn Evans, who they, they were just plugging in a guy. He, just to be on the field for, you know, 700 snaps, he's going to get those tackles. But obviously as a talent, the NFL doesn't necessarily value that off-ball linebacker in that position. Um, but with that said, that that chaos exists across the board. Like it is, it happens on the offensive side as well. I think running backs, <laughs> running backs specifically, obviously. Um, and you can see it happen with quarterbacks as well. Talking Geno Smith's eight year breakout. Um, you know, so like it, every position really like tight ends being the latest breakout possible and like Dallas Goddard being the next late great tight end breakout. And he's 28 years old. <laughs> like, so it, that's, it, it is 
it's I think it's a common misnomer when it comes to that that the chaos of IDP because a lot of these stats are very sticky like we saw Jordan Brooks put up 120 tackles next to Bobby Wagner and then those tackles increased the next season and we saw TJ Watt have 15 16 15 and 17 and a half sacks like they are very much sticky and an age cliff will happen for sure with anybody any athlete but I think that is a common misnomer that defense is simply too chaotic to allow value and production trends that the offensive players do and that's the most pertinent assertion when you make dynasty leagues is understanding positional values and player values so for you like how do you what is the most important idp position what what has the most value for you for me I, before i jump into that i want to build on the point you just made the I, I, I'd argue that it's almost as it's as predictable, if not more predictable for certain IDP positions, because, you know, we know the schemes by week one, but before week one, we know what defensive coordinators are going to call. It's just whether you look to see that information. That's what right. IDP sides try to do. They try to tell you who's going to be wearing that green dot, who's going to be getting more snaps, who's going to be what defenses are running a three force. So maybe you have more linebackers in at times for more tackle opportunity, like the Falcons, like Seattle. So there's all those teams that we know are going to get heavy snap totals of I, we knew Rashawn Evans and but everyone loved Michael Walker last year. People wanted Michael Walker and Michael Walker was great for 10 weeks and then lost his job because he wasn't that good. But it, it, that's the role. We knew the Falcons were going to be productive and sure enough, they were. So but to, to actually answer your question on what I try to target, I do try to get one. I get my premium edge rusher. I, I, I always get my my top tier edge guy. But then from there, I, I, I try to get a quarterback or I, quarterback, a linebacker. And then I'm really willing to wait because I find myself incredibly the linebackers every year feel incredibly deep. And every year we have guys that pop up that will be able to stream. And all of a sudden someone gets hurt and someone steps in. It's almost like running back in a way of I go almost hero ball with it where I'll right. get the one that I can trust and then I'll stream the rest. Defensive back being, you know, the lowest priority for me because it's as you know, replaceable as ever, honestly. But um, that's really why I try to get defensive ends as early as I do, because sacks are the biggest IDP stat that is indicative of talent, in my opinion. People don't luck into sacks very often. That that just doesn't happen. They find them because they're a good, you know, damn good player. So um, those are the guys I like to get. And I like to build around that. And then, you know, from there, I'll plug usage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point. And, and that's, that was one of the things that I really wanted to bring up too, is that the most valuable tiered position that, that I've noticed as well in my years, obviously you have a little more experience than myself, but it's, it's that linebacker edge rusher that, I mean, and with IDP, you can kind of get away with some weird eligibility sometimes, right? Like Mika Parsons having defensive lineman eligibility, which is just nonsensical, but awesome oh, for our IDP teams, right? I kind of get it. I get it. The man's yeah. man's edge rushing 80% of the time. 80% of the snaps. Exactly. And like, just because he's also their best off ball linebacker doesn't mean yeah. we shouldn't have D line. Yeah. yeah. So that, I completely agree with that. And it's, it's that linebacker outside linebacker, whatever edge you want to call it with that D line eligibility, then your linebackers, um, then straight D line, obviously your defensive tackles, they're, they're kind of a little more volatile, but like a guy like Cam Hayward is always going to be in my lineups, right? Like 
for sure. So we're talking about some pretty good value there. And then exactly like you said, it's the the safeties that can get tackles that also have the defensive back eligibility, depending on what platform you're on. Sometimes they don't distinguish between CB and DB. So I would plug in safeties into that DB spot before I would start reaching for cornerbacks, but but exactly the same tier as you. And I, I think, again, with as we were talking about with how you can kind of um, work those scoring settings to have these players have very similar value to the top end offensive producers that that is basically like you're talking about this is your high end wide receiver or running back then you know you wait on your quarterback because there's quite a few good ones that will slip late and yeah it it is like life imitates art and I still think that IDP mimics and imitates a lot of the offensive side of the football as well um just at least when you start to see guys like go and start up drafts and and exactly as you said how you kind of build out that value so with that said i mean obviously it's going to be a little bit indicative of what scoring settings you're using but where do you genuinely start to target guys in startup drafts like when do you say okay i've got my qb1 qb2 and super flex like would you go for that lb1 before your wide receiver one if they're giving you 18 19 points per game Super. Oh, if it's giving me 18, 90 points a game, it'll be tempting because you have to, you have to be, you know, like you said, it depends on the scoring format. But if I'm, if it's a super flex, I'm more likely to wait because I want to fill up my other offensive positions. All of a sudden I have more emphasis on quarterback than I would if it was one quarterback. And in right. terms of, I might, I'll take my defensive players before I take a single quarterback or one quarterback. So um, definitely depends on your, your roster, but I'm not against it. And if I, if I had to sign a round to it, typically I see guys start going off the board that Micah Parsons start going off the board around that round five, round six range. But it, it always takes someone to start the run. Someone's got to right. be brave enough to take the first IDP player off the board. And that person, maybe you're in a league full of scared people. And then all of a sudden people are waiting until all of a sudden they look at last year's stats and say, this guy's giving me 20 points a week. And all of a sudden, the next guy I'm drafting is a, a running back who will, might give me 12 points this year and then is gone forever. So th- there's there's a lot of value to IDP of that all of a sudden they're more valuable than the offensive players that are on the board. And all of a sudden we're not taking them because we don't know. Um, so that's why I always try to get my defensive linemen. I try to get my guys that are perennial going to be the Nick Bose is the world, the Max Crosby's of the right. world, the guys that are always going to be great because they're just great players. So if I can lock that in and I don't have to, you know, wait for the next great edge rusher to break out because those guys don't always come around, you know, I'll do that instead of taking my RB three or my wide receiver three uh, in a vacuum, especially in redraft. I tend to go offense heavy before tackling IDP, but that's because I trust myself to find values later. I'll still get my defensive lineman, right. but I will find like I, I don't want to spoil this later. I wasn't going to mention it. Robert Spillane, for instance, is undrafted everywhere. And I, I, he has a very, he's said that when he signed with the Raiders this offseason, they're going to give him a shot of the green dot. He's undrafted in every dynasty mock I've ever done. And that's just one of the names that I've talked about repeatedly in over this offseason of guys that will be totally forgotten. And I can easily plug into my LB3 spot just because what? Devon Diablo is there. He's not a good player either. So there's, there's a lot of things to, value in later in drafts i just like to get my i i always circle back to i just want my sack artists and then i'll, I'll figure out everything else later 
No, and, and I think that's a really good point, man. Like a lot of it is just going to come as to like wh- who you are as a drafter, um, like what strategies you like to implement in in both redraft and dynasty. And I think you made like a, a lot of really good points there. But one of the things that I you know always take away is that offensive building out, and that's kind of again because I trust myself to find that value later. Um, and uh, with the you know that kind of tier break like you have, somebody's got to start the tier i think managers could sh- kind of view that the same way as like when you have rookie um placeholders like kicker placeholders in, in dynasty startup drafts like you're gonna see your bijons go in the first round right whatever but it's gonna take somebody to pop off for the next tier before you actually start to see rookies fly off the board and i think that's very similar in idp it, it really does take the first person to to pop the mika parsons and that's gonna start a run so be smart in your drafts with that in mind. You you don't necessarily need to have the number one ranked IDP player, but when you start to see other managers attack that position, that's when you need to put yourself and kind of start adjusting your cue to be like, okay, these IDP guys are going and they certainly are more valuable than that. Mm, let's, I think a good example would be like a Jahan Dotson. Like maybe he becomes wide receiver one, but he could just be, 13 points per game at a career peak. Um, whereas guys like TJ Watt and guys like the Max Crosby's, the Mika Parsons, like they're going to have a much longer career and have already established their peak. So when you're building that IDP roster and when you're doing your dynasty startups, I think that's really important is to obviously have self-awareness and pay attention to where other managers are going as well. And once you see that tier break and that tier drop is that's when you can start to initiate your own IDP and how you want to build. And, and sometimes it might be, as Michael was saying, like one of those punt builds or, or a hero linebacker build, but at the very least, when you're doing your dynasty IDP startups, make sure that you're valuing these players as they're going to be staples on your roster because they will be. Yeah, and don't be, don't be afraid as well because, what, like you said, you made a great point. When that IDP player goes off the board, there is a run. IDP guys go quick. Once that first one goes and the next one goes, another round passes, and then all of a sudden, boom, it feels like it's two straight rounds of only IDP players gone. In that gap, you could still find value on the offensive side because everyone feels pressure to get in on that run. So it just be open to the whole board. Take a look at things because just like on offense, on defense, there are tiers. After, you know, the first the top tier defensive lineman go off the board. I'm not going to reach for one just because I feel like I should have my defensive lineman. Like I said, like if I don't get my top tier, Nick Bosa's Crosby's Parsons, all those guys, if I don't get them, I'm not going to just take the next name down in the same way. I wouldn't take just the next running back down just because I want that position. It's not how it works. You play the board and you play it as it goes. So, just, you know, be prepared for that run, especially if you're not used to the format. And it's fine to get, you know, the guys that you you want, you want to be sure with it. But it's it's definitely something you get carried away with quickly just because of how vicious the IDP runs can be. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's definitely something that if you're not used to the format and not used to the drafts and of course, like get on Twitter, hop in the Patreon, we'll mock together and you can kind of see <laughs> how vast those runs can become and, and kind of how important, I guess, kind of filling out some of those players above, you know, that risk tier of offensive players actually is Um, with that in mind, like 
we know that there's an age cliff for running backs. We kind of touched on it a bit, but now I want to circle back to it. Like 28 years old in dynasty leagues, you don't want to running back over 28. There is a very, very, very small percentage of players that will ever produce top 12 at the running back position after turning 27. Yes, there are outliers, but it's just a good practice to flip those players before that age cliff. And I, you can kind of say the same thing on the opposite side for breakouts. Like conversely, we have a large amount of data to know when positional breakouts happen on the offensive side, like year one for running backs, year two wide receivers, then you can kind of start to worry year three for tight ends and quarterbacks. Obviously you need a little bit more of a grace period, but once they produce that top 12 season, it is a sticky top 12. Like they're probably going to do that multiple times throughout the career. Is that the same on the IDP side? And like, is there an age cliff for linebackers that like you're getting worried you want to pivot on or like, on the other side, like, are you worried about a Kayvon Thibodeau who has top five draft capital, was an absolute super stud in college, but only had four sacks? See, guys like that, and I think defensive linemen, linebackers in particular, almost every single player, I have to adjust the same rookie building block that we put on the offensive side. I think, honestly, the offensive rookies nowadays are performing much earlier than they have in past years. Ten years yeah. ago, we wouldn't have expected we don't want rookie receivers in our on our fantasy teams 10 years ago. We don't we might not want them our second year. And then the third year breakout was the big thing, you know, and you look at it today. You got Chris Olave last year. Excellent. Justin Jefferson, obviously, and Jamar Chase, 1400 yards as a rookie. So a ton of guys that are performing immediately defensively. I think it does take a little bit longer of, you know, Devin Lloyd last year was off to a decent start, but he struggled for real life. So he got, you know, he got pulled. And he came back in later, and all of a sudden, you just couldn't trust whether it was him or Chad Muma. You just knew it was going to be Foy. So I think it does take a couple of years. I don't think there's a hard age gap one way or another, but ultimately, it comes down to if you are healthy and you get a proven year or two, you will rotate around the league for a little bit. And when you rotate around the league, sometimes you find yourself in those schemes. And I don't look at age as much as landing spots. And I think landing spots matter more with IDP than it does with offense because Excellent. You know, Rashawn Evans in a different scheme is not relevant last year, but in, in you know, Dean P's uh, Atlanta Falcons, incredibly relevant um, when he got to, you know, work with the same defense coordinator that he was with in Tennessee. And then just certain guys that all of a sudden have more run because of the scheme they're in and guys that won't have the same run. Cody Barton is not a good running a linebacker, has really never been, honestly. He's not that good. Not good. <laughs> but he was great last year for fantasy because yeah. he was in that Jordan Brooks role, that the same role that Jordan Brooks had when Bobby Wagner was in town. Then Jordan Brooks got hurt, and all of a sudden we had Cody Barton go to the moon. So it, it's it's guys and roles that I'm looking at even more than ages because you could fall off and you could still be relevant for IDP if you're a linebacker. It tends not to be the same for the other ones because defensive backs that get pulled out of position – they're going to pull it off the field because then right. all of a sudden you're seeing large plays getting thrown. If you're not getting to the quarterback because you you're dust, you know, you're not fantasy relevant because you're a defensive lineman. You need to get sacks to be relevant. Chandler Jones being a key example of that. If you're done, you're done. You're not going to get schemed into sacks. That just doesn't really happen. So linebackers being the biggest thing I look at when it comes to, if I look for a marker, it's landing spot. But I guess for the clip for, for edge rushers, I don't know if we have a locked in one. Cam Jordan's still going strong at 32. Cam Hayward's going strong at 33 or whatever the hell he is now. So, I mean, it, it, it comes down to just random freaks of nature. I don't know if we have a not large enough IDP sample size, myself at least, to say that there is a definitive age like we can say with running back. Because you're, you're absolutely right about the 28 mark with uh, running backs. That's a little bit more scary. But for now, it's right in until you see the wheels go off.
honestly, it's that's kind right. of where we're and, at. And I mean, they're again, like the whole kind of, I, I guess it's like a common idiom. Like I'll let this player retire on my roster, the Keenan Allen's the Tyler Lockett's like, because you're never going to get the return on investment that they are worth in production. Never. Like you just simply won't. And you can kind of similarly take that philosophy to the IDP side is you can get a lot on the trade market for Amika Parsons, but oh, you yeah. can't for a Cam Jordan. And it's not that Cam's not producing. It's that, there's almost an age cliff in market perception more so than the production perception for, for IDP players. And, and again, a little bit true for the offensive side, but the market has made those succinct age cliffs in, in those kind of cutoff points where you're not going to get the value back. We don't want to invest in these guys. Even if they do produce, they'll never increase in value because we know that the cliff is coming. And, and I completely agree with you on that is, and that's kind of one of the funner, you know, little game theories with IDP that I think people obviously ignore is that like you can invest in a Cam Jordan as a, you know, very late pick overlooked rookie takes him, you know, one year to produce and produces as a rookie, but second year really blows up. And then for a decade continues to do so like th that feeling and that investment in IDP is it, it's incredible. And you're not going to see the same consistent drop-offs and, and I think the same cutoffs. They do exist a little bit, um, but more so it's just the market perception. Like, Regardless of his, what format, IDP, if you have 10 kickers on your roster, the dynasty market in general is going to be youth adverse. Always. Always. Yeah. We, we want the young guys. And I, I picked up Demario Davis off the waiver wire yesterday in one of my dynasty leagues. So that that's what I'm saying. Of In a dynasty league, a 12-team dynasty league with people that – specifically joined because we're all IDP enthusiasts and that's fine that I start three linebackers it's a very you know it's a defense focused league and in terms of mixed as as mixed leagues go but you know he was on on waivers and I'm realizing I could just I could start him as my linebacker three and that's somebody that I picked up yesterday a month after our startup draft so that's what I'm saying about being willing to wait because you there are a lot of linebackers especially in the offseason that we tell ourselves are going to be great and we could be wrong but then we're going to find the other guys, that third string dude, that all of a sudden is being thrust into a real role. And, you know, they're, they're, they're relevant too. So there's just a lot of – it's 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 all fun because there's just – if anything, I'd say IDP makes your dynasty waivers so much more active. 100%. Um, I'm trying not to talk over stuff that I know I'm going to bring up later. But, yeah, just a lot of, lot of fun stuff. Yeah, man. It, waivers in Dynasty IDP leagues are incredible. And and again, like to a sharp league like that, like I'm not angry at them dropping Demario. Like I understand the perception. It is that if you're moving in a direction to, for a rebuild, like you literally can't really get anything on the trade market for him. That reduces your points per game overload. So now you're kind of moving towards that tank, increasing the value of your own pick. Like there's a lot of that same game theory that falls into the Dynasty side, but it's to the umpteenth level when you include all 51 players like because also linebackers just being so much deeper than most offensive positions as well and i think that's that's really where it is we see so many teams produce two linebackers where you know we don't have the same with with other uh other positions out there with running back and wide receiver and things like that we can't guarantee right. that some teams can produce one because of how inept offenses can be so let's just even say that listen we all like points we all like points. Well, we're gonna exactly. we're gonna out the <laughs> offense that can't even produce one. I'm looking at you, Houston, at times, and you know, all of a sudden we have guys that are they're more relevant IDP players last year than on on the Texans and there were offense. So 
That's all I'll say. You know, let's just double yep. lay, level the playing field here. Hey, you know, I don't know. Well, now that the Texans are on our tongue a little bit and we've opened up some game theory and some player values, I, I mean, we did talk about the youth movement a little bit, and this is a dynasty pod, of course. So let's talk about the rookies a bit. Incoming rookies, Texans move up at third. We were both freaking out on your live show about the Texans basically just giving up their future to get what I considered a generational edge rusher, but an, in, an insane trade in hindsight. Um, let's I'll, I'll run through a few and, and we, we can touch on, on them as we go. Like Will Anderson goes to the Texans at third. This is a very deep, talented, heavy defensive draft. Rare. A lot very of rare. defense, in the, especially yeah. on the defensive line. Incredibly yes. rare how deep it was. Right. And so you see Anderson go third, Tyree Wilson at seventh, Jalen Carter at ninth, Van Ness to the Packers at 13th, Jalen Carter to the Eagles, by the way, they building the greatest defensive line of all time. You see Will McGaugh, start that again, (laughs) Will McDonald going to the Jets at 15, Um, Kalijah Cansey to the Buccaneers at 19. Of course, the Saints go with Brian Brees and then the Eagles double down and go with Nolan Smith right out. Like you're talking about 10, 12 and more like I'm Mazzy Smith. I'm, I'm definitely missing some that that went in the first round and we'll obviously will hope to be perennial producers for the next decade for the teams that they were drafted to. Um, Some of your favorite landing spots, some of your favorite rookies hit me with them. I mean, I'll I'll start off with the obvious one. Will Anderson is, I agree with you, he is a generational guy. This is a guy that is number one overall talented. He was worthy of that pick if, you know, if if we didn't value quarterbacks as much as we do. He was a guy that had, what, 33 and a half tackles for a loss or something like that as a sophomore. And then came out and had a down year with 17 and a half. Like, it's, it's absurd what Will Anderson did at Alabama. So, I'm very excited to see what he gets paired with what D'Amico Ryan's the, the San Francisco defensive mind in Houston. So he is very easily the consensus IDP one for, for the rookie class 100%. and very, very clearly a tiers above anyone else that you want to put close to it. Um, but Jack Campbell getting, you know, round one investment. I think that was, if not the line's other pick, the most surprising pick of the first round because <laughs> of how, Awful linebackers are valued. We had such a deep off-ball linebacker free agency class this year. Of You had guys like Drew Tranquil that waited months to get signed. Rashawn Evans was still a productive tackler, is still not signed. Um, you know, Deion Jones wasn't that good, but he's not signed. Quan Alexander only, I think, you know, still hasn't been signed. Maybe it's the Steelers, but it, it's, it's, there's a lot of, there was a lot of off-ball linebacker talent this offseason. Tremaine Evans got paid. TJ Edwards got paid. And all of a sudden, the Lions spent a first-round pick on Jack Campbell. It was very surprising, but that type of draft investment tells you that he's going to get so much run probably in year one, but also you know, probably more so in year two when Alex Anzalone is firmly out of the picture. But, yeah, I mean, that was a surprising pick for sure. I have a few other names, but I I want to give you a chance to chime in as well. Yeah, well, the the Jack Campbell one is I I kind of purposely omitted him so that you could bring him up, and <laughs> and that was one that was really surprising about me. And it's something that on all of the other like draft reaction and prospect profile podcasts that we did for the offensive side, something that I want to reiterate here as well is like draft capital matters for these defensive players too. And exactly like you just said, let's use Jameer Gibbs as the prime example. Jameer Gibbs had one of the best receiving profiles that you'll ever see as a running back. Him being drafted in the top fifty team tells you that the lions are going to give him a ridiculous amount of touches they're going to if they don't a lot of people are going to get fired like it's quite literally that simple and the same for jack campbell that kid is going to see 
the field 99.9% of the snaps. And if he doesn't produce, somebody's getting fired, right? And he's being put in a position like, and I, I think we can actually, let's just go use the Lions. They're such a good example right now because you see Malcolm Rodriguez come last season as an undrafted free agent and has a pretty good IDP rookie season, especially to start out through weeks one through nine. Like, the Lions are kind of really giving dynasty managers an example and, and uh, multiple examples of what draft capital means for these IDP players. Yes, there are outliers as there are in any other position, but draft capital is telling you that like Jack Campbell's the guy that they're going to invest time in and being on the field will lead to positive things for defensive players. Even if the defense as a whole, as we saw with the Texans and, and the Falcons last year is not very good, it will lead to positive IDP numbers. Snaps are kings, opportunities kings. The same goes for offense, the same goes for defense. Safe. And you bring that up as well of a good year that Malcolm Rodriguez has another great selling point to give for IDP, right? It's it's the ability to have your heart broken again <laughs> and again and again. Of everyone that liked Malcolm Rodriguez, sorry, he's dust now. He's dirt. It's over. It's over. Now, that also reminded me of Jack Sanborn in Chicago, somebody that was excellent at the end of last year, but because – they're you know poverty franchises of Detroit and Chicago with all due respect they want to invest so heavily money and draft investment in off all linebackers that they didn't want to use their younger guys so all of a sudden Jack Sanborn is dust and that's the selling variety for you get to have heartbreaks as much as you do with your day three Tyler Algier another one of my guys yeah. getting <laughs> completely you know shafted into the universe and out forever so there's there's a lot of things that you just look at in the draft and I mean, I, I'll, I'll jump now to a couple guys of because how how the NFL draft folded out this year, we IDP people we were we were running victory laps on day one. This was a defense heavy first round. You had some wide receivers go, but we were talking defense. IDP live show was popping, and then the second round came, and we were waiting. We had some defensive linemen go off the board. You had Isaiah Foskey going to your Saints. You had another person to punt on my Carl Granderson love. Uh, Keon White going to New England. You got Martin Mapu going in there. And then you had the linebackers going because we were waiting for the linebackers to go. And it didn't happen until the third round. You had a whole string going of Trenton Simpson, Dorian Williams, Dion Henley to the Chargers. And I really, I love Dorian Williams this year. I love Dorian Williams. Uh, Tulane linebacker in Buffalo. The guy that I firmly expect to be a day one starter to start over um Terrell Bernard now that Tremaine Edmonds is gone I I I I think this is somebody that is going to be a a borderline game changer for the Bills of he's just he's a freak he's a guy who that he was the Conball defensive MVP he had 17 tackles in that game against USC a very good offense and you know their defense got run over but it's still he's just so athletic and so strong that I think he's exactly what they had in Tremaine Edmonds as a prospect of that upside type of guy and they didn't have to spend a top pick on them like they did with Tremaine Edmonds. So I, I I think, you know, the route to starting is just Terrell Bernard and uh, A.J. Klein, journeyman guys, backup guys. So Dorian Williams is somebody who's going late in drafts right now that I've tried to get on every single one of my teams. Yeah, that's a name that I absolutely love. Yeah, he's it's kind of in my our, our next little transition section, but that would kind that's of be I, like I, I've been trying not to talk over it. I, I know, <laughs> I know it's coming, it. and I messed up. I messed up. I got another name I'll throw out there anyway. So no, I'll hold on. man, you're you're killing it because like, yeah, <laughs> that's that's one of my like 
Vontae Max of the rookie draft. He's a guy that I think people are heavily overlooking that when your IDP drafts are rounding out and they probably should go, you know, five, six rounds because you you have defensive players. We're not going that four round specific, but when you're in that fifth round and nobody's jumping for him, like I'm just, I have such high exposure. And for all of those reasons, you're looking at a guy that is basically sitting in the LB1 spot in Buffalo with veterans or journeymen around him. And for the same game theory that we talk about with Tyler Algiers, Damian Pierce did survive the draft, but a fourth round running back had the Texans drafted any running back higher than that. You know, that's a problem, right? Well, like he, yes, it's a second, third round, but still in a position with a 38 year old AJ Klein and like, you know, a a journeyman beside him as well. Like this is a guy that they have invested enough draft capital to give you a bit of a positive boost to his profile already, kind of in the same vein as like a tank Bigsby or Rashad white. They didn't get completely faded, but enough draft capital to give you that positive thing, but yet being ignored in rookie drafts. So that there's a name right there that I really want to get on all of my rosters. So let's hop into that. I want your hot takes. I want your must have guys in IDP. They don't have to be rookies, but I want like your must have guys. And then I want your absolute fades too. So okay. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you. I'll hit you right now. So perfect. I, 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 already, I already talked over my, my rookie love of Dorian Williams, but I'll throw another one. I do like, especially for dynasty Trenton Simpson. So this was a guy that we talked about as a borderline first rounder, you know, second round of the latest and he falls to the third round. But he was also the first one of those linebackers to go off before the big run of all the names I just said before. Goes to Baltimore, third-round investment. Patrick Queen is long gone from this team next year. Probably still here this year, but long gone next year. Will not be extended because they've already paid Roquan Smith a bag. And that's one of those defenses that we've talked about as it's good for its linebackers. It's a very much a 3-4 system. You know Roquan Smith's going to be out there, and you know they're going to run another linebacker with him. So... Trenton Smith uh, Simpson out of uh, Clemson has, you know, great range, great athleticism to get to the, he almost models Roquan Smith in a way, except maybe, maybe with better coverage ability, who knows? But uh, I, I, I love him for a 2024 stash, a guy that I would love to have in my taxi squads. Certainly, certainly more athletic than, than Roquan. And yeah, I mean, Trenton Simpson for every mock that I saw, he was going in the first. He round. goes high. Like it, he yeah, goes high yeah. in rookie drafts. I will say that he goes a little bit higher than I kind of want because I could get Dorian Williams two rounds later. I could get Diane <laughs> three rounds later. Um, but it, it, I, I, I wish people weren't sharks about it just because I think he was a highly touted prospect prior to the draft and then went a little bit later than we wanted, but still a decent spot. But yeah, I, I, I do like Trent Simpson and what he can do in Baltimore. Same. I, as do I, and, and plant your fag plant. Whoa, <laughs> plant your flag season. <laughs> Let's plant the flag. <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's do it. Did you, uh, Your let's best, see. Okay. I'm best linebacker, sorry. worst linebacker. Yeah. So linebacker. Uh, and we talked about it on Twitter the other day, and I saw you replied to it. And I'm going to go with the mullet. Go with the mullet man, Cole Holcomb, signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Somebody that has been it. just nothing but productive every single time he's on the field. Let me just read off his tackles per game. I tweeted out the other day. Over the last four years with Washington, 6.6 in 2019, then 6.6. 8.9 on 142 tackles, and then 9.9 in 2022. The real issue is just whether he stays healthy. He missed a lot of time last year, missed some time before that. Hasn't I don't know if he's ever put together a full season, but those in that injury risk is baked into his draft capital. And in terms of a you know a per game basis and what we can get from the linebacker position, you can stream you know that linebacker three price that you're paying for Cole Holcomb if he goes down. And if he doesn't, you have a, you know, a linebacker one, because that's what he's done. He's been 
a linebacker one value when he's healthy. So if, if he, if he can stay on the field, he's going to be exceptional. I also love Caden Ellis and, and I, I, I have a couple other names running down, but I, I love Caden Ellis a lot. I would feel remiss if I didn't uh, mention him. Sorry, your saints lost him, left him, let him go to the Falcons, but he's going to ball out. Not there. the best. Yeah. I hate it when players leave in division. I hate it even more when they leave for the Eagles, but. <laughs> and then they, re- and then they reunite with uh, Ryan Nielsen there too, as well in yeah. Atlanta. Things you like yeah. to see with Kane Ellis. I'm very excited for him. I've had a great second half of the season when Pete, uh, Pete Warner got went down. Yeah. And I I'm riding the, your backpack on the, the Cole Holcomb plant flag. Um, I, I really liked Cole a lot when I invested in Cole Holcomb, like three years ago, I genuinely thought I was like, Oh, perfect. Like you guys just handed me LB one. Um, it obviously hasn't quite come to fruition, but the peripherals are there. Uh, his position is absolutely solidified as the number one inside linebacker in oh, yeah. a three, four system. There's no miles Jack anymore. Right. Um, I think, a Landon Roberts. A Landon Roberts could be the LB two, and that if he's your LB two, that's not the issue. Um, yeah. and, and the money talks. You got eighteen million dollars. It's far more than they gave Roberts or anyone else on the roster. They didn't draft an inside linebacker. They drafted uh, brought in Herbig's brother, uh, the guard's brother, um, in in as a backup edge rusher. But no one on the inside, which was surprised about, but shows how much they like Cole Holcomb. Yeah. And I mean, as they should, if he's healthy. So conversely, like, and keep cost considering, obviously. No, that's what this, that's what this pick is going to be. My, it is cost considering Bobby O'Karroke. I I like Bobby O'Karroke, but that is somebody that is going very high in drafts. He's being drafted to me too close to his ceiling in New York. Got a big deal to join the New York Giants after a big season with the Colts. I am hesitant to, to pay the price of, we're drafting him to be a linebacker one and he will be a hundred percent snap guy because of how bad the linebackers are in New York. Yeah. But man, we're, it's a big change. We're going from a different system. We're going through something entirely different of a guy that really was a one year thing and never really living up to his potential prior to last year. And, you know, was good, but not amazing for real life purposes. So we'll, we'll see. And Shaq we'll Leonard see. was hurt for Shaq Leonard was also hurt. He, this doesn't happen if Shaq Leonard wasn't hurt, or maybe, right. maybe Zier Franklin doesn't happen, but I like Zier Franklin. So that doesn't matter. We're not talking about <laughs> Zier Franklin, but uh, yeah, I, I just, I worry about it. And not because I don't like him, not because I don't think he's going to have a good season, but because he's going inside the top 12 at linebacker pretty consistently, especially in dynasty formats, because he's a younger guy. I'm, I'm a little bit out. I'm just out at cost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm completely in with that. And for me, this is, this is kind of a tough one for my little bit of a fade for linebacker. And, and I'm, I'm only saying it because of cost when I was initially investing, he wasn't like the third linebacker taken off the board. I think Jordan Brooks is basically being valued at his ceiling. I don't oh, think I'm there's no out on Jordan Brooks. Yeah. Not <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Yeah. So like it's, it's too much. It's not, happening the way that it looked like it was going to happen when he was producing insane tackle numbers alongside Bobby. Obviously there's, you know, that defense is making incredible leaps and changes as well, but it seems like he could very well be an odd guy out with the fifth year option coming up and probably not being picked up. So Jordan Brooks is somebody that I'm not taking off the board as behind. Basically he's going behind Roquan now as as the first off ball linebacker and and Mika being one of the first. So yeah, that's a guy that I'm going to have to, kind of eat the biscuits on and say like, I'm glad I got the investment that I did when I did for cost, but I'm not investing anymore. 
eat the biscuits on. I love that saying. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll jump. I'll jump right over to defensive line now. Um, Please. Yeah, the 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 guys I I mentioned. I don't want to leave without Max Crosby or Nick Bosa, but if I miss out on those guys, two guys I really like, and they were former teammates last year: Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter. So Zadarius Smith, I'll start with because people are leaving him from dead just because he's old, and now he's in a new situation in Cleveland. Who traded for him? The Browns are in such desperate need for another edge rusher outside of uh, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Miles yep. Garrett represented, I believe it was about 70% or so, or I think it was like 50% or 60% of the team's sacks last year, just him himself. And it's been that way since he's been drafted. Nobody else on the team exceeded three sacks last year besides Miles Garrett. Gross. And that was Taven Bryan, who was a bust first round pick with the uh, Jags like, you know, three years ago now. So it, it's, it's been ugly. Jadavion Clowney didn't work out. They did sign, um, it's a core Quanquo. I think it's a T. I think his first name is a uh, teacher. He was good with the Texans last year, but trading for Zadarius Smith tells me that they're going to put him down on the valuable passing downs. I think we could see a James, uh, what's it called? A James, uh, not, not Houston, a James, uh, help me. The, uh, the veteran, amazing edge rushing linebacker. Uh, goodness. Nope. I'm not uh, helping you with the chiefs in the past and had the Ravens oh, um, in the last few years. Is it James. James no, Houston. I got it. It's not gone. No, okay. Well, you get what I'm saying. I think he's going to be that type of veteran guy that gets the passing downs. He gets his sacks, and I think he get a couple of tackles as well. He was a borderline, um, you know, top 12 option this year, and I think he's going to have a great opportunity in Cleveland to build off that. He'll still be working opposite a great defensive lineman. You know, the circumstances are fairly similar, and they traded for him. They didn't have to do that. They could have called the Vikings bluff, see if he got cut and went for him for agency, but they sent assets for him. And for a team that has, you know, not a ton of assets to give since the Sean Watson trade, you know, that, that signifies something to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really like Daniel as well. Um, yeah. d- defensive linemen are, I'm a little more, I guess, hesitant to invest that, but we've said it many times. It's we've written it out throughout this entire pod. Like I want super elite or I'm going to probably fade out to those guys that are getting ignored. The, the Zadarius Smiths, the Daniel hunters yeah. for sure. Cause I'm, I'm either going to invest high and go super elite or I'm taking those upside swings because of how much you have to really invest into that position. So there could be a whole litany of fades at D line for me. In all honesty, just because you're so many, I mean, as you said too, like, especially in the off season, everybody's kind of viewed at like they're going to produce at their ceiling. It's, it's positive season, right? Like it's, it's everybody's the best version of themselves. He's in the best shape of his life. I love the off season so much. (laughs) Everything's good. We're all winners. There are no losers right now. Exactly. Exactly. So that, that is, one of those positions where I think you can kind of get away with it as you said plant this one's kind of a little more difficult and I want to bring up guys like Christian Gonzalez as well Devon Witherspoon who obviously got very decent draft capital Gonzalez faded a little more than I thought I would following to the Patriots um, at 16 but plant your flags on some DBs because again like as we said throughout this episode is they're a lot more volatile Um, you can kind of to me DBs are like any tight end past the top six, right? Like you can stream in that position. You can float it. You're going to have your Trayvon Diggs breakouts where he's just producing well above every other defensive back you're going to get. But essentially like the better a defensive back is, the less he's going to produce for IDP because he's a lockdown, 
like you just don't target those players, right? Jair like, Alexander has been absolutely valueless because of how damn good he is. Good he is. Because no quarterbacks want to look his way. AJ right. Terrell had that same issue at times. Marshall Lattimore has had, you know, those ups and downs because of that. Um, it, it's 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 a problem because if the ball just sails over the head, you don't get a pass defense for that. That's just an incomplete pass. And if they don't right, throw exactly. them all together because they're just avoiding you and they want to attack, I'm sorry, but Paulson Adebo or something on the yeah. other side. <laughs> I would. Then, <laughs> then all of a sudden, you know, they're they're going after someone else and they're not going after your guy. So a lack of touches. You know that that that's why we like these safeties a lot more because they roam a little bit and they get to make those tackles and they get to right. blitz on occasion certain schemes and you know we like those guys that have higher floors because we're not counting on them to to jump up there. But to answer your question about who I like, uh, I'll I'll stay on the rookie train right now and I'm someone I'm definitely going to be doing a, a probably a, probably an article or something about mentioned on the newsletter maybe. But Jair Brown right now, a defensive okay. back out of uh, I forget. Where he went to college, but um, third round, taking 87th overall to the 49ers, is having a great camp right now. Uh, and the, the 49ers are already talking about using more three safety looks. And listen, we, we have seen a lot of production from the San Francisco safeties in years past. And he's a young guy. They're looking for a change of guard um, opposite of Talanoho Fanga, you know, Deshaun Gibson out there. So there's a lot of reasons for Jair Brown to get on the field third round investment is good investment for somebody like that. So I, I, I think he could get work near the slot and all of a sudden have a very sneakily good um, rookie season and potentially been most likely build onto that going into 2024 and beyond. So Jair Brown, somebody that I picked up off waivers in one of my leagues yesterday. Um, and even if I have to stash him for a year or two, it's somebody that I'm happy to do so. Yeah. Um, I think he was Joey Porter's running mate at Penn state. That. So Ooh, let me that, that sounds reason, right. Uh, yes, Penn, we should probably State look it up, but... Yep, Penn State. Yep. You are Perfect. correct. All right. Awesome. Well then yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Like, listen, he's got plenty of talent to work with in San Francisco sure. as well. So I, I I'm I am excited for what they can do. They're very creative in San Francisco, and obviously Domingo Ryan's is now gone, but you know, they're already talking about doing more three safety looks, something they didn't do last year. So they drafted Brown with that idea, obviously. And, and, and something that you're seeing, league. obviously, with the passing numbers increase across the NFL, team yeah. defenses really need that third safety. Like the Cowboys did it exceptionally well last year. Correct. Um, and yeah. it, 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 you know, it meant some volatility for fantasy football, but ultimately meant that there were three guys that were worthy of streaming in certain ways of Jerron Kiris and Donovan Wilson and Malik Hooker at times. It, sometimes it was hard to predict, but three guys that are relevant will take that. Um, but a non a non rookie random guy, uh, that's insulting. Call him random. But Kyle Hamilton, I'm yeah. uh, I'm I'm so high on Kyle, Kyle Hamilton. I, I talked with uh, Gary Van Dyke, the IDP tipster, about it about a month ago. I do believe he has DB one overall upside. It's not something I'll project. I, I think it'll be Buddha Baker or something. He was floored when I said it. Um, but I, I think Kyle Hamilton. They figured it out at the end of the year. They they started moving in the slot a little bit more. They started making him more free roam, and he is a playmaker of epic proportions. He struggled at the beginning of last year and then was really good on the end. And I think we kind of forget because we are left with first impressions too often in fantasy football. So Kyle Hamilton really found his form. I think they found a way to use him that was really good for fantasy as well as for the Ravens. So I'm I am excited for Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, once they moved Kyle kind of like stopped making him play two shell and they gave him that like Isaiah Simmons sub linebacker role. Yeah. Moving the slot, moving the line. Yeah, yeah, it was it was getting scary. 
yeah. <laughs> he's huge and he's a good he's, like he, he's, he's good in nothing coverage but he's a freak athlete yeah. yeah so just let the man run like it, it's uh, almost similar it's not dissimilar to antoine winfield in, in tampa bay in a way right. except right. moving him a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage which we like for fantasy football because that adds more tackle upside yeah, 100%. I, somebody that I'll, I'll quickly say to the second year guy as well. I really like Jaquan Brisker. Um, oh, he's so much fun to watch. Yeah. So, so that, much fun to watch. that's a guy that I, I'll plant my flag on from the DB position. I don't necessarily have a fade again because we were saying how, how volatile it is. And, and I guess my fades for DBs are kind of like the hottest DB from last year. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to I I got one. It's Legereus Sneed. Yeah, it's the cornerback that it's the slot corner. I will perennially fade the best slot corner because he gets drafted to be the same slot corner and he finished 40 tackles higher than his previous career high. You know, like right. if that goes back down to 76, that's a good season, but that's his career average. And you're not happy in the drafting him. Like he went in the 13th round of one of my startups the other day. And I'm not like he's going inside the top 12 for DBs. But cornerback tackles are just so unpredictable, even for Legereus Need, who we know the role is. We know it's productive and you'll have a good year. But man, no, I, I, every year like you, you, you made the point before I even did. I, I, I'm, I'm going to pass on the most expensive cornerback every single year. That is always going to be my fade. Yep. So we got do we got one? Oh, I mean, I saved the best for last. Obviously, you got to plant your flag on the best edge rusher. You could the, I don't want, I want to hear your rookie opinion too, but I also know it's Will Anderson. <laughs> it's Will Anderson. So we don't I, have to I'm be gonna, a better I'm gonna spoil there. it and say it's it, Will Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> it is Will Anderson and it yeah. should be. And and conversely, like on the mirroring the offensive side, Will Anderson is a Bijan Robinson tier above every other defensive prospect. It's it's not even close. And I, I will say I, I do I like Tyree Wilson a lot of what he can do um opposite of Max Crosby. I think it's borderline best landing spot he could have gotten 100%. was working opposite Max Crosby as a walk-in day one starter because of how bad the other Raiders guys are. And sure, the Raiders have not been able to develop defensive talent short of Max Crosby at any position for just five, six years now. It's, it's <laughs> been terrible. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I do, I do like Tyree Wilson and what he could be. I don't think it'll be year one thing, but I think next year we can see a big jump. Um, if I have to throw out someone, I'll fade on the dynasty radar. I, I can't bring people are drafting Trevon Walker for the, the bounce back and the, you know, the jump. I, I, I didn't like him as a prospect and I am not, Either. I am. He's one of those guys that my, you, you know, that when you're doing drafts and your eyes gloss over certain names and you don't even realize they're gone until they're gone. That's Trevon Walker for me. There's names. I don't even consider drafting because of where they're going, mm-hmm. going inside the top 15, 16 rounds. And I'm just never, ever interested in him there because I didn't see enough last year. I saw more mental mistakes than I could I count on my fingers Georgia either. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I, I, him over Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a pick that we don't talk enough about, like a mistake that we don't talk enough about for the next 10 years and what that could have been for the Jacksonville Jaguars as well in the direction they're heading, the positive direction and potentially whiffing as hard as they did right there on a very obvious choice in my eyes at least of what yeah i mean I trayvon had the combine on everyone and that's it he like come on we did <laughs> so did so did john ross on a lot of guys come exactly. on exactly <laughs> it's never gonna it will never cease to amaze me how much information a billion dollar organization has and i mean every single team is a billion dollar organization how many resources information those organizations have and refuse to acknowledge how pointless the combine is yeah. and l- listen like 
again, I don't want to deviate into the offensive side too much on an IDP type of show, but we knew Tutu Atwell was a bust long before he was drafted yeah. went in the second <laughs> round. We know Valus Jones is going to be a bust long before he went in the second round. There are so many guys that we like, – a lot of people – maybe not everybody, but CEH was a questionable pick, didn't no, work we out. Knew. We yeah. knew they should have taken Metcalf over McCole Hardman. We yeah. knew. Exactly. And we know all these, th- these things. We're, we're – we're no, we don't make billions. Exactly. We're not a paycheck. Like, come on, I'm on Twitter. You know, like that's that's <laughs> our analysis. We're putting out threads and stuff. They're making triple digits to draft two two out on the second round. That's my personal rant. I'm going red as a tomato. It's just, oh. <laughs> oh I call goodness. it a billion dollar business of missing, man. It's a billion dollar business of missing. Bears, Bears Twitter came all over me last year when I blasted Vela Jones on Twitter, and I wish the man. Pop. The best of luck, but it's it's you're a twenty thousand year old wide receiver that didn't produce <laughs> in college in six years. So I just I don't get it. I just don't. But whatever. Okay, you're going off target here. I got one more for you, please. And then we'll we'll hit a sexy outro of what you're working on. But one more. I want your hottest, just dynasty take overall. Your Scoville overload. What's your hottest take? Can be a player take. Can be game theory. I'm putting you on the spot. Ooh. My hottest game take. I'm trying to think about on the defensive side of the ball right now. I'll, I'll give you an example for mine. Yeah, I go, think go. the most, me off. the least significant position in Superflex leagues is the QB two. I'm not saying that is, that is a Scoville take. That is a hot I'm not take say, to to like kind of round that out. Is I'm not saying your QB two. I'm saying the QB two. Like it is such a massive advantage to have two top 12 quarterbacks in Superflex. Having one top 12 and a top 20, and you reached because you needed a QB2, that's, I think it's the least valuable position. That's fair. I, I can understand that, especially when I think we all lock in quarterback into that second Superflex, but it doesn't have to be. No. And sometimes in Superflex, because of how often we reach, there are other guys that can easily fill that void on potentially maybe a less. Up, maybe a more up and down basis, but he'll be able to plug into other positions too. And yeah, you'll figure it out. I, 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 I like the heat of it. I like the heat of it because I do agree with getting your top 12 and then beyond that it gets a little, and I, I will say I, I have given into drafting my mid tier Kirk cousins more often than not, because yeah, I can't, I love too. my Kirk cousins, but <laughs> Guilty. I, I'll, I'll give a, I'll give a skull a take. I'll go on the opposite side of the ball. I, you can, you can very easily, not easily, but you can very well win your entire dynasty league without a single locked in running back. You, you don't need a, a running back, not a hero. You don't need a running back. I, I went to my finals last year rebuilding. It was a re it was my first year out of the rebuild because I rebuilt through wide receiver and I happened to get very happy with the 2020 class. And I got Justin Jefferson's and I got, you know, I got Chris Olave in the draft this year. Um, and guys that I was able to build there and I started dirt for the entire season and I found <laughs> myself in first place. I got a little bit lucky with the yeah. scheduling. I had, I had a favorable points against, but I was in first place come the, the end. And I was like, all right. So I, I, I sent, I, you know, I sent a third for Dante Foreman. I sent a second for Derek Henry at the end of the year, or maybe I sent a late first, just someone that will help me get over the edge once I know I'm a contender and I didn't have to spend the assets for it without knowing. So buying running backs before like I I bulk up everything and then running backs are the final piece I plop in. And I, I I think so many people overlook that at times of I'm helping one of my, you know, first time dynasty guy right now. 
And he's like, all right, I'm in the fourth round. I've already drafted three running backs. What do I do now? I'm like, God damn it. You didn't text me soon enough because this is not how I would have <laughs> built my team you're at all. You're far gone, bro. Uh, yeah, you're, you're far gone. Like, let's draft some wide receivers. He's like, all right. But uh, it's uh, that, that's, that's my take. I, I am, I've become more and more willing, either fewer running back or no running back at all, and then trading for them later because Dante Foremans are there every single year. You can always trade for them. Because sometimes people that pick them up are just the people that are savvy enough, not the people that they want. They they want pick them up to trade them, and right. I've done that on both sides of it. Yeah, and and I mean that can be a mutually exclusive thing. Just to specifically speak to Foreman is like I picked him up to trade him for thirds. Yeah, to, like I, I did that it, too. <laughs> yeah, I did that in another out. league. Like, and I I think that that is. It's definitely getting more popular in, in the, the Twitter communities, but I still think it is an incredibly overlooked strategy. Like I exactly that, Mike, like I literally don't roster running backs until I'm competing and I'm competing based off the roster that I built without running backs. Yeah. And it, like I that feel... roster is now so good that a Deontay Foreman is literally going to win me the league because it's just so OP. Yeah. And I, I, I feel nervous about, you know, I, I feel nervous, more nervous about my teams where I have middling running backs than the teams where I have none at all. Yeah, of the guys, listen, I, 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 I kind of went a little bit heavy on David Montgomery this year because I didn't anticipate the Lions adding a running back at twelve overall. Gosh, damn, whatever. Good for you, Detroit. But yeah, um, wasn't anticipating that, and all of a sudden now I got a guy who's in that mid tier, and I'm not exactly sure what, like where I'm going to get from him. So, you know, the AJ Dillons of the world, I'll just wait. I'll wait and wait and wait. And, you know, if the value is there, I'm not going to be locked into it. If someone I like falls rounds and rounds because other people want to do the same strategy, I'll change it. But, you know, there's there's still things that I like quite a lot. Um, I, I, I find it a very risk free strategy passing on running backs as much as I can. 100 percent yeah and then and that's it is the most volatile position right so as soon as you invest in them it, it's you're immediately accruing risk i yeah i i one of my leagues the the league I, I i think it was the second year i won my championship i sent like two firsts in a big package for christian mccaffrey and christian mccaffrey got hurt the next week but also in that deal was Rashad Penny, who went off for the last like 20 points a week for the end. <laughs> so that deal went down as the Rashad Penny trade in history. <laughs> but if Rashad Penny wasn't in that, all of a sudden, you know, damn, my strategy didn't work about buying running backs late. But still, that's probably because I went a little bit too heavy with what I gave up for running back. But Rashad Penny, you know, oh, I hope it works out for him in Philly, man. Dude, I really do. I, I mean, think I hope I honestly like as much as I hate that New Orleans has just become an asset farm for Philadelphia. I hope everything <laughs> works out for everyone in Philly. I don't know if there's another team in the NFL other than my favorite team in New Orleans that I like, like everybody on the roster. Like I love Devonte, I love AJ. I love Jalen Hurts. I loved Booby. I love Rashad Penny. I love DeAndre Swift. Like and go to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, yeah, it's just stud after stud after stud. And all of them have great personalities. Like. <laughs> It, it's it's they got something nice there. They, you know, you don't get to the Super Bowl by just having a good God, roster. How the Eagles know that better than anybody of talented rosters that don't live up to it. So it, it's you know they got there because they they believed in each other. Jalen Hurts, his his what he does in the locker room is as good of what he does on the field. On the field. I really do believe that. 100%. And I, I I was a strong doubter of him last year. I'm on the record of doing that, but not anymore. Not anymore. Dude, that was. This has been one of the most satisfying and fulfilling episodes. If you want more 
of this stuff, you know where to find it. Download the app at Google Play. Go to the store, at your app store, wherever you get it. Tablet, doesn't matter. It's free. It's free everywhere, and it's accessible everywhere. Head over to patreon.com slash brotofantasy. That way you can get access to me directly, to all the bros. You can join Broto Leagues, beat the bros. We have... Um, an all flex league that we pull up every year that has some pretty awesome prizes, 32 teams, every position is flex. That's always fun to join in. Of course, we have extra access to the DFS optimizer, to the betting discord, to the discord in general, which is one of the best communities ever. Um, you can find me at psychward FF. You can find all the boys at Broto fantasy at Broto FF, Tim at Broto FF, Mike at Broto FF, Casanova and at Broto FF, Jason, make sure to check all of them out. Mike, I want you to give the people a nice sign off. Tell them what you're working on, where they can find you. Give them a goodbye. I'm 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 just happy to be here, man. I really appreciate the invite. This has been a blast. You can follow me uh, on Twitter is where I put out a lot of my stuff at Michael underscore underscore Sicoli. I was too late to get the one with wonder underscore or none, uh, which is a real <laughs> shame. That. But yeah, yeah. But I I, I uh, was if you like this IDP stuff. Link to a IDP specific newsletter that comes out every single Wednesday is in the link in my Twitter bio. So be sure to check that oh, out. Yeah. Free to sign up. I, you know, write it every single Wednesday morning comes out. So free stuff, you know, free, free content. That That's always fun, too. But honestly, this is this is this is a, a great tool that you should be checking out on this Patreon, too. Uh, these guys are great. Much love, brother. We appreciate you. And and uh, yeah, if you do like this IDP stuff, make sure to holler up in the Patreon. Let me know. And I'll bring Michael back on because he knows a lot more than I do. So we'll keep this going. We'll, we'll, we'll make this almost a recurring special if you guys are into it because I love talking both sides of the football. And I know Mike does as well. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Facts. Catch us again. You know where to find us. Much love. Much respect. Peace out, everybody.